He was one of the good ones One of the best ones Better than the rest ones Like a first dip Copenhagen First sip from a cold one Like a Chipper Jones home run Long gone out of the park Once in a lifetime Got you looking back like Damn right Wishing like hell you'd have held on tight When you realize You were holding on to something that was second to none Talking one of the good ones Back to the Rage Rowdy Podcast. You're here with your host, Nikki T, and my guest today, Mr. Jordan Rager. How you doing, man? Good, man. Dude, thanks so much for being here. Dude, thank you for having me. Absolutely. We're in a pretty fancy building down here. Oh, Marbleu, uh, pub- uh Publicity, not publishing, publicity. <laughs> uh, yeah, I found out today that this is actually, I think this was the, like the first high-rise ever in Nashville. Yeah. Uh, something like 1950s or something like that, so that's, wow. that was pretty cool. Cool building. It's a lot of history. Mm-hmm. Cool spot. Yeah. Well, dude, like I said, thanks so much. I know it's the busiest week down here in Nashville. CRS, man. It's uh, it's crazy, but, you know, I, I love it. You know, a lot of people, you know, you, you hear people be like, ah, oh, CRS, it's it's just a lot. And it is a lot, but, man, it's fun. You get to see people that you don't usually get to see. Yeah. All the, all the artists are, you know, they come in from the road and they're all hanging out at one place. You get to see your buddies and then like, you know, radio and media and you get to see your friends there. And it's, it's a good time, man. It's like, it's kind of like CMA Fest. It's just not really hot outside. Instead, yeah. It's really cold. <laughs> yeah. CMA Fest, man, that's overwhelming for sure. Especially all those stages. Oh man. We try to make it down for that every year. Uh, been for like the last four years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was talking to some people and they're like, you got to come down for CRS. Like that's, the real stuff. You, I, you you caught it on a good year too. I remember two years ago, it was like like I was in the middle of an interview at the Omni Hotel, and somebody said, "Have y'all looked outside?" And we pulled the curtains back, and it was like snowing sideways. <laughs> um, and I was just like, "Wow, I guess we're not going anywhere." So, um, and I mean, I'm from Georgia, so I don't I don't mess with that white stuff. That's like, I that's don't know what this is. no. Yeah, <laughs> we had snowpocalypse a couple years ago. If that tells you anything yeah. about how Georgia feels about snow, we uh, I work for a day job in the transportation industry, mm-hmm. and one of the facilities I work with was in Atlanta. Yeah, and they were like, "Yeah, we're done. Uh-huh. We're not doing anything." My dad got <laughs> stuck in all that. Oh wow. Yeah, he was uh, he was at work and he um, basically what should a drive that usually takes him like 15 minutes to get home. It took him like six hours. He's having to like cut through yards, like oh. just to get around like the the abandoned cars on like the street or whatever. It's like, crazy. Oh, that's nuts. Yep, uh, I'm from Pittsburgh, and up there, it's like, oh yeah, we got a foot. That sucks. All right, we'll cancel for a day, and then you're back tomorrow. If so. if it threatens snow in Georgia, yeah. everything everything Shut gets canceled. Yeah, yeah. Don't come to work. Don't come to school. Go buy bread and milk for some reason. <laughs> so. Well, speaking of Georgia, man, it's a lot of a lot of you guys coming out of Georgia, talent-wise. We're taking over, man. That's it. That's Some, something in the water. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I know, like you have been coming up with a, a crew of friends with uh, like John Langston, mm-hmm. Cole Taylor, and Travis Denning. Yeah, those guys. It's <laughs> it's truly a miracle that we've survived at this point. Uh, to like you know we've survived to this point. Uh, it's been so much fun to watch everybody's career kind of take off in whatever direction they're going. You yeah. know, 
John is obviously a rock star and he's killing it with what he's doing. Uh, Travis is doing awesome with with all his stuff. He's got probably probably my favorite song of last year. David Ashley Parker was. So I remember the first time he played that for me, and I was like, God dang, dude, that's so cool. Um, Cole Taylor has I don't know how many number ones at this point. Um, yet, yeah, you know. all of them. <laughs> so uh, super proud of all three of those guys, and uh, just proud to call them friends. And uh, it's fun to get to watch your friends win, man. It's yeah. it's it's a lot of fun to, you know, coming up together and writing a bunch of our very early stuff together. It it's just been fun to kind of see everybody take off, however yeah. they're taking off. Yeah, I know you uh, helped John write uh, right girl wrong time. And Cole. And Cole. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was the th- that was three parts of the four wheel drive. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, what a great day that was. We, um, uh, the three of us, got together, and John said, "I have this idea called Right Girl Wrong Time." And me and Cole were both like, "Yes." <laughs> and uh, we were sitting on the back patio of Universal Publishing House here in Nashville, and it was probably I think March, April. It was gorgeous. It was like the first time that year that it was like nice outside. So we were yeah. like, screw it, we're gonna go right on the porch. <laughs> and uh, wrote that song that day and it was just, we kind of knew we had something special, you yeah. know? And I'm just, the, the reaction from it after John put it out has been so unbelievable, you yeah. know? And I, I, something like 20 million streams on Spotify nice. or whatever, it's crazy, man. And that was before he had a deal, you know? Exactly. I mean, it's just organic. Just very proud to be a part of that one, very proud yeah. of that one, so. So speaking of that four wheel drive, I know that's a, a show you guys do down in uh, Georgia. Mm-hmm. That's uh, it's pretty it's pretty cool. It seems like you guys do it around the holidays and yeah. So we do well. We so we've we've for the sake of our health, we've narrowed it back <laughs> to one show a year because we used to when we I remember, man I remember when we first started it we were doing like three four five day runs of like just running all the way through the state of Georgia. Yeah. And by that fourth or fifth day, man, you're just, <laughs> you're, uh, you're on the struggle bus. We're just, we're just less than healthy. We'll call it yeah. that. So, um, but there's such a blast, man. That's my favorite show that we play all year. Cause it doesn't feel like a show. Right. It feels like a bunch of buddies just getting together and cutting up and we're taking jabs at each other and we're helping each other play songs. And it's just, it's a lot of fun, man. And, that's also it's also special too because like all of our families, all four of us are from Georgia, so like all of our families get to come, a lot of yeah. friends get to come hang out, and uh, it's really cool, man. It's it's been fun. I remember the first show that we played when it was nobody knew, you know, we had like that, you know, family friend following, but like right. nobody we were playing a bunch of songs, nobody knew. Cole didn't have number ones, we didn't have right go wrong time at the time, and uh, it still like. It was, I think people just connected to the chemistry that the four of us had on stage, you know? And to see how it's been building to this point and how we've kind of, where where it is now, it's just, it's just a lot of fun. It's really cool. Yeah. It's cool to see. And I, like I said, I just see on videos and stuff, but it's, uh, it's neat to see those shows and watch you guys like interact with each other and play new songs. Well, we're doing it again this year, so you got to come down and come see it, man. It's, yeah. it's definitely worth seeing. Speaking of uh, songs and like writing, so who are the, the core group of guys that you you know talk to or that you write with here in Nashville? Well, other than those four, um, or those three, uh, Cole, Travis, and John, um, there's an, another Georgia boy who was actually my first co-write ever. His name's Thomas Archer. And... Mm-hmm. His name might sound familiar because he wrote a 
tiny little song called Hurricane for Luke Combs. <laughs> I think I heard that one. Yeah, yeah. Maybe <laughs> maybe like a couple hundred thousand times. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so me and Thomas have been writing since I was like in high school, and I think he was like very early in college. Um, I He was, like I said, my first co-write. I didn't even know what co-writing was. Yeah. We just got hooked up through the Georgia music scene, and basically we were just like, you write songs, I write songs. Do you want to write songs together? And we were like... <laughs> Yeah, but how do we do that? It's like, <laughs> don't really know. Yeah. I guess we'll figure it out. And uh, so we've been really, really good buds for a long time. He he was, you know, my first friend in Nashville. And so, like, he was like, you know, I'd call him halfway up the town and be like, dude, I'm on the way up. I hope you're home because I need a couch to crash on for the week. <laughs> and uh, he was always like, yeah, grab beer on your way up. So, um but yeah, so Tom, we and we just get consistently good stuff. We always have. I think it's because we've just known each other for so long, and we're yeah. just such good buds that there's no, there's nothing that we don't feel like we can say yeah. to each other. Yeah. And I think that's the best kind of writing partner is when you just feel a hundred percent comfortable, and not, you're not scared to say something really stupid right. to that other person. Yeah. You know. Uh, another one is another Georgia boy, uh, Michael Whitworth, who actually he's a, he's signed to the same publishing company that I'm at. And that's kind of how we, we got connected. Um, I just keep running into Georgia people up here, man. I don't know what it is. <laughs> there's a, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of us. <laughs> but uh, And Michael's another one of those guys that, you know, he comes from a very different musical background than I do. Um, so the influences make for a really, really, a really cool creative process because he writes, like, very differently than the way that I would write. So yeah. it kind of brings both of us out of our comfort zones a little bit and what happens is usually magic and yeah. we've written some of my favorite songs um that i've ever written over the last you know two three four years yeah. and um the last one i'll say is uh i've got the chance to work with a guy named chris stevens who he's producing the new project that we've been working on for about a year and if y'all don't know chris's name you will very very soon <laughs> because the guy is a freak of nature um the way that he produces and the way that he makes my music sound and the way he just makes music in general sound is unlike yeah. anything I've ever heard before. So I'm very lucky. I probably shouldn't even be saying this. Like, just like, <laughs> this is, you know, he's, he's like my secret yeah. weapon. Don't let anybody know about it. But I love that dude to death. And we've really grown to um, work very well together. And we know how each other works. So it's like we're almost like sharing a brain at this point. Yeah. And uh, it's just been a lot of fun, man, because I think – one of the most important things as an artist who is uh, trying to create, not create a new sound, but is looking for their lane and looking yeah. for their style, one of the most important things you can have is the right producer. Yeah. And I'm very blessed to f have found my producer so early in that process. Yeah. So let's talk about, you know, when you started getting into music and, and that way that you, uh, you came up, per se. So I... <laughs> Man, music was always an interest of mine, but I always thought of it like a dream job, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I, it was like, that would be so cool to do. I just have no idea how the hell I'm going to get there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I kind of just set it up on a pedestal and was just like, I'll never reach that, but, you know, it would, it would be awesome. That would be cool. Yeah, it would be cool. <laughs> and I remember the first time I ever sang in front of anybody was at my dad's church. My dad's a pastor. And I was about 11, scared to death, uh, <laughs> yeah. didn't even really 
I didn't even really think I knew how to sing. My dad was my dad. My dad swears that he's known I was gonna be a performer since I was like three years old. <laughs> I don't know if I believe that, but anyway, so he he was the one that was like, you should get up on stage and sing. Like you've got a good voice, and it would be really cool for you know um, people to see that. If you remember the song Christmas Shoes. Yeah. Sir, I want to buy these shoes. That's the one that me and my dad sang that together. That was the first one. So my mom's in the front row, a bawling mess. <laughs> and um, so, but that was kind of where it started. And I was like, this is fun. I like this. Fast forward to about 14. I remember asking my mom, I was like, what do you think I have to do to like play music? You know, like, like play shows. Right. And I didn't even know what that meant. You know, yeah. I just knew that I wanted to like, I had grown to want to sing and perform in front of people. Right. And so my mom, being the amazing mom that she is, literally Googles, where does a 14-year-old sing in Loganville, Georgia? <laughs> and she got all these contact numbers for, like, you know, fairs and festivals, like, around the surrounding cities and counties and little, you know, restaurants. And, and you know, if there was a bar that would let a 14-year-old in, then we right. would do that. But, man, I just started playing as much as I possibly could. Picked up guitar, started teaching myself how to play just based on like I would like watch like YouTube videos of people like you know playing and I would just watch their hands and I'd memorize it and then I'd go try to play the song at whatever show I was playing at whatever you know restaurant or whatever I was playing and um, that was kind of where it all started man I remember the first time I ever stepped on stage uh, to sing like like country music to perform I was 14. It was a July 4th festival up somewhere in North Georgia. There was nobody there except for, like, my mom. <laughs> and I played four cover songs and got off stage. And I remember even though it was hot as hell, nobody was there, I sang four cover songs, I knew that that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I remember walking off stage and telling my mom, I want to do that. Yeah. Whatever I have to do to do that forever, that's what I want to do. <laughs> and that's where it started, man. And then from there on, it was just play as much as you can, started writing songs. And that was really when I fell in love with music, was when I found out, like, oh, you can write these songs too, yeah. you know? And you can tell stories. Yeah. That's the coolest thing for me is, you know, that's, that's just when, that's when I fell in love with music, was yeah. the storytelling aspect of it. And that's what I think country music in general is that's the best part about it is the story i think that's why i fell in love with country music over every other genre of music i listen to because i've got influences that (laughs) they are all over the place Uh, if you hit (laughs) shuffle on my ipod it would like make your head spin (laughs) and um but the thing that i always came back to uh i always came back to country music because it was the storytelling and it was the lyrical content and it was the 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 love and triumph and hurt and heartbreak and it was the nostalgia and it was the you know proud of where you're from and it was everything that goes into country music is just like it just felt more genuine and honest and and transparent and that's the kind of writing that I do because I'm telling my stories the only thing I know how to be about my stories is honest you know right. and that's the kind of artist that I want to be when people hear my music, I want them to feel like they're getting to know me. Right. Even deeper than just like, I like this guy and I like his songs. Like, I feel like I know this guy, you know? Yeah. I feel like I'm having a beer with this guy listening to my song. When did you uh, move up to Nashville? 
Uh, January 19th, 2014. So I just celebrated five years in town. Nice. Uh, it's crazy, man. Sometimes I feel like I've been here five minutes. Um, <laughs> sometimes I feel like I've been here 500 years. So, yeah. uh, but it's, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else in the world. You know, it's, it's a dream job to get to wake up and do this every day. Yeah. And I know your first song you put out was with Mr. Jason Aldean. And, uh, what kind of, uh, experience was that? Man, it's funny because me and... Jason had been, we've known each other for a lot of years now, even before uh, we ended up at the same label and before Southern Boy came to fruition. And I remember we would always like, because our our, uh, families became close and then that's how we kind of met. And I I remember us like always kind of jokingly say like, man, wouldn't it be cool if we like sang a song together? We're both from Georgia. We're both like, you know, whatever. And I never in a million years thought that that would ever happen. Yeah, you know, I just yeah. thought that was like just two buddies hanging out talking. Joke, yeah, right? yeah, you know, we were just talking shit, you know. Yeah. And um, I remember once I signed to uh, Broken Bow Records, which is where Jason is, yeah. I, I had this song called Southern Boy that was just me singing on it. And it was a great song. It had a great backstory that I loved being a part of, but it just felt like something was missing. And then Jason got wind of the song, and I remember him calling me going, this is the one that we're going to do together. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, wait, you were serious about that? We're really going to do that? Cool. And, um, man, it, Jason is, is something of a big brother, influ- uh, you know, like a big brother figure to me. Yeah. But he's also musically an influence. You know, like I grew up listening to, you know, I remember hearing Hicktown going, man, that's groundbreaking. That's really cool. Yeah. And Amarillo Sky and like all that early stuff. And one of my favorite things about Jason as an artist is the fact that he always consistently cut great records. Yeah. You know? And, yeah, um, track, every track. Yeah. Every track on the record. So the fact that I got to be involved in that, like the fact that I got to be like a piece of like his artist career, yeah. which I never would have asked for from him directly. Right. Just the fact that it was all able to line up was the coolest thing for me. One, because of the whole like influence and like, you know, it's he's the top dog in the format, so how right. cool is it that you get to sing a song with Jason Aldean? Yeah. But also, like, because he's a friend and he's yeah. a buddy. And, like, getting to do this job job with your friends, that was air quotes for those of y'all yeah. that can't see me. Um, for those of us that get to do this every day, the coolest thing is getting to do it with your pals. Yeah. So. And I know you're uh, signed to Riser House now. I am. I am, man. It's been a lot of fun working with them. They're a new company in town, but, man, they're hungry. And they, yeah. have, uh, they have something to prove just like I do. And yeah. that's kind of why I landed there. Yeah. I'm a big fan of, uh, well, I mean, Mitchell was there, and then Mr. Dylan Carmichael. You oh, Dylan guy, too. What a freak, dude. Yeah, monster. Um, I remember, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a songwriter for a second. <laughs> I had the pleasure of writing uh, What Would Hank Do with, with yeah. him and Houston Phillips. And I remember um, walking into that room not really knowing what to expect because me and Dylan's styles are so astronomically different. Right. Um, I love what he does, and I grew up on the same music that he did, but just our musical styles are so, like, opposite ends of the spectrum. I was just like, how is this going to (laughs) go? And I went into it just, I was like, I'm going to put my Hank Williams hat on today, and I'm just going to write the countryest thing I can come (laughs) up with. And I think it was Houston that had the idea for What Would Hank Do? Yeah. and It's a great song. We Thank you, man. And we just, uh, we rocked that thing out we knew we had something really special about it and then Dave Cobb coming in and really making it come to live was uh, come to life was a really cool thing and uh, I'm 
really thankful for Dylan like doing that thing uh, just because I think I don't know if anybody else would have been able to do that song There's and do it many. justice. There's not you know? many. I sure as hell couldn't yeah. have. <laughs> so I'm really glad that that we got to the chance to do that. And Dylan is a for those of y'all if you're listening and don't know who Dylan Carmichael is, when we get done with this go buy his record because it's that don't listen to it first just buy it and then listen Get to it because it it's that yeah. good yes yeah. it's uh yeah it's and, and it's cool seeing riser house like start to take off and the people they're working with it's uh i think they're they got some buzz for sure in the city man it's been like i said it's been a lot of fun just because i've been around the riser house thing since its inception and i remember watching what they did with Mitchell and how they were able to build that thing and then pass him off to Sony and they took that to the next level. Yeah. And, you know, I remember man, I've known I've known Dylan since, you know, before Riser House was a thing. And I remember <laughs> I remember running into him. I hope he doesn't mind me. I'm gonna tell this I'm gonna tell this story about him real quick. <laughs> uh, I remember running into him uh, when he was bouncing uh, Honky Tonk Central uh, on Broadway one time and we were just sitting there like catching up and we were both in like very weird spots in our careers and we were just talking about like man one of these days we're gonna we're gonna do something you know we're gonna do something and wouldn't it be cool if we do it together and then here we are label mates you know yeah. all these years later so it's a lot of fun man I um I feel like a lot of companies say this but I really mean it when I say it Razor House is a family yeah. and it's it's one of those things where everybody in that camp wants to see everybody else win yeah i i know i certainly do and that that goes for dylan and mitchell but also like the people that are in the office and in the trenches every day doing work for us like right. i want to see those people win just because they're good folks right and i think that's how you base a successful company is surround yourself by great people 100 percent. it's good to see you working with those guys i'm excited man like i said we've been working on new music for well, I've been I've been working on it for about two years. Me and Chris started actually, re, you know, the recording process about a year ago, and we're getting close, man. I can't wait for everybody to hear what we've been working on. Well, let's talk about what we have heard. Yeah. yeah. So one of the good ones when that came out, you know, I listened to your first project, mm -hmm. and and then when that came out, I was like, well, damn. Yeah. That's a that's a fantastic song. I know it's a, something you cut from other artists, but tell yep. us what spoke to you about that song. So I three friends of mine, Chris Stevens, my producer, was one of them that wrote it. Uh, James McNair and Ross Ellis. And if you don't know who Ross Ellis is, another artist that is incredible. Uh, check him out. But Ross is Ross was the guy I knew the best, and so and I, he knows I'm a big Atlanta Braves fan, big baseball fan. Yeah. And so the song name drops Chipper Jones, so he was like, <laughs> "Hey man, I wrote this, you got to hear it." <laughs> and from the very first listen, and this doesn't happen very often, uh, from the very first listen I went, "I have to have that. Like I have to be the one to sing that song." Right. And so I, you know, I kind of talked it away from Ross and uh, <laughs> I I got Chris to jump on it and Chris just made that thing pop like I could have never imagined that thing sounding so good and I just felt like like I said I was at a transitional period in my career where I was like tr kind of rebranding and like looking for a new sound and trying to find like who I was as an artist and as a writer and what did I want to say and represent as an artist yeah and I felt like that was the perfect introduction to this new like th the new me basically yeah um because it just it, it the energy and the attitude of it is very, very much in the direction of 
what I want to do and what I want to say, you know? And it's not very often that you hear somebody else write a song that you feel like you could have wrote yourself. Right. And that was one of those for me. Yeah, when you do and you get a chance to cut it, that's a cool cool moment. I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't jump at the chance for that, you know? Yep. There are great songs that go unheard every single day here yep. in Nashville. Yep. And, you know, if, if you hear something that you really connect with, whether you wrote it or not, man, I, I know for me, I'm, I, I have to do it. Yeah. You know? I mean, hell, the first two songs we've released off Riser have been outside songs. But I mean, I think in it, if you're if you're talking and and you're thinking about it, best song wins. Oh, one hundred percent. And it has to be yeah. that way. If it's not that way, then yeah, your career is not going to last super long. No, know? I could care <laughs> less if wins. I yeah, I could care less if I wrote it or not. And I I really songwriting is a very important part of my career to me and right. I genuinely love just writing songs and I want to write you know as many as I can and I yeah. want to tell my stories because nobody can tell my stories better than I can right. that being said like you said a good song is a good song best right. song wins and when you hear something that you connect with and I mean look at George Strait had 60 number ones that he didn't write a single one of them no. but he can sell them to you right. you know <laughs> and you know Chesney is Chesney's probably a better example because he can write and right. he did write songs. Yep. Wrote I Go Back by himself, right. for God's sakes. And <laughs> But then he can hear something like There Goes My Life that he didn't write and go, that's something I have to be a part of. Yep. You know? And I think with the community that's down here in Nashville, it's like, all right, well, if I'm succeeding with this song that my buddies wrote, mm -hmm. then they're succeeding too. And it's like, you're all moving up together. Well, yeah. And like I said earlier, it's like, it's really cool to like get to do this with your friends. Yeah. And that's, and that song is another one, another example of that for me. Well, let's talk about the most recent single, um, Georgia Boy. Yeah. What, uh, what about that song made you like, you know, be like, this one's one for me? Man, same thing as one of the good ones from the time from the first time I heard it I was like oh man I feel like I wrote that with y'all because that's so me you know yeah. that song so that song was written by Michael Whitworth uh, Andy Albert and Dave Pittenger three incredible writers in town and uh, that song the first time I heard it like I think I was either driving to Georgia or driving from Georgia and like I was I was actually driving from Georgia. I remember when somebody sent it to me because I almost turned my truck around and went <laughs> back to Georgia. That's how it made me feel, you yeah. know. That song for me, man, just perfect perfectly encompasses how I feel about my home state yeah. and how I feel every time I go back, how I felt when I left it to come to Nashville. Um, you know, it's just I I'm very proud of where I'm from. And even though I know Nashville's where I belong, there will always be a part of me that remains in Georgia. Absolutely. You know, and, and I think everybody kind of can relate to that, whether you're from Georgia or not. So, you know, the song's called Georgia Boy, but everybody has their, their home right. that will always be home. Yep. And that's kind of what the song's about. It just, it connected to me on a much, much deeper personal level because it is about, you know, literally about where I'm from. Yeah. I think it's kind of neat too what you've been doing on social media with the uh, the work in progress sessions. Thank you, man. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, at Raise Rowdy, we're big fans of the unreleased songs and the stuff that maybe not a lot of people have heard yet. I've got plenty of them. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it's cool to see you kind of get that back out to your fans. Well, you know, it's talking about the songs that go unheard every day, man. I've been in Nashville for five years, and I've written almost every single day of those five years, and the you put all your heart and soul and 
effort and blood, sweat, and tears into an idea every time that you go into a room. Yeah. And then there's a one in ten chance that song ever sees the light of day. Right. That's probably less. It's probably <laughs> less. Yeah. yeah. It's heartbreaking to me because there are great songs that I love that I've written that I've been proud to write and proud to play for people that you know just because of whatever reason won't that nobody will hear it. So I remember. Again, I was I was in my truck driving in between states, and I had this idea for the work in progress sessions. I was like, I don't want it to be fancy. I don't want it to be polished. I want it to be as raw as if people were sitting in the room watching me write a song, or right. like maybe like I just got done writing a song, and now I'm playing it for you. What do you think about right. it? And it's been a blast, man, because I'm getting to bring to the forefront songs that, you know, I never really thought I was going to get the chance to do. Right. Um, and it's also a way for people to just kind of hear what I've been working on, you know, because yeah. throughout my career, there's been things that have happened out of my control that have kept me from being able to release as much music as I pro probably would have wanted to. Yeah. You know, you, you have deals, you lose deals, you have people, you lose people. That's, that's, the way of life yep. in Nashville That's and in the music industry. Yep. Um, and when those things change, it makes it tough to make promises to fans and listeners because you think like, oh, you know, new, new music is coming here and then something changes and it's like, never mind, we're not going to release anything right now, you know? Yeah. So that's happened to me a couple of times. And so not just I wanted to give people an insight to my songwriting, uh, I wanted people to know that like he is still working on stuff yeah. and he's... You know, because like I said, man, I'm, I'm writing every single day, and I'm, the last couple of years I've really, really honed in on, like, who I am as an artist and as a writer, and I'm very proud of the stuff that I've been working on, and I just wanted to give that to people, you know? Yeah. I wanted to give them something, you know, yeah. and, um, and I felt like this was the best way to do that, and I know for me, as a, as a listener and as a consumer of music, those kind of things are my favorite. Yeah. Like, the stripped-down, yep. acoustic, raw, like, this is just the the... the rawest form of this song it's just a voice and lyric you know and yep. a guitar and that's that's the way that i love to listen to you know certain songs so yeah well and i think there's like the songwriters session you know that's, yeah yeah that's uh the reason it that there's so many mm -hmm. and it's because those songs speak to you a different way when it's just the voice and the, for sure and the guitar. look at go to any bar in nashville tonight and you'll go to a writer's round which yeah. is you know for those of y'all that don't know it's it's two, three, four, five people sitting in a line on stools telling stories and then playing songs. Yeah. That's the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. You know? And it's a, uh, it, that doesn't happen a lot of places. No, you know? no. I it's mean, a, it's a blessing to have that much here. That was kind of our idea going back to the four wheel drive thing. We were like, this only happens in Nashville. Let's yeah. bring this to Georgia, you yeah. know? And it's just, it's so much fun, man. Cause like I said, storytelling is, is the centerpiece of country music as far as I'm concerned. Yep. And I, just love that aspect of it and I, yeah. I always want to incorporate that with my music yeah so when you're releasing music um, are you working on an album an EP just tracks we're gonna do a full-length record heck yeah uh, we we're, we're in the middle of trying to figure out you know how we want to release it when do we want to release it what's the yeah. best time to release it but man we've got a good stockpile of songs I want to say somewhere in between like 10 and 12 of mm -hmm. what we've done so far in the last year or so and we're still going to do some more because yeah. uh, like I said I'm writing every day so I almost right. feel like I need to stop um, <laughs> I keep I keep coming up with like other songs I'm like I want to do that one I want to do that one um, but um, 
Yeah, man, I think um, I feel <laughs> it's so funny because I just said, like, you never know when things change, but I feel as confident as I've ever felt saying that 2019 will will see new music from Jordan Rager. Yeah. And uh, that's exciting for me, man, because this project, I've loved everything I've been a part of, from Southern Boy to Know Your Name to Underage and, like, all those songs that I put out all those years ago. Yeah. I love those songs, and I love where they got me, and they help tell my story. But this record that we're going to put out at some point this year and these songs that we're going to put out are truly like me like they're my story and they are where I am in my life they are who I am as a person put onto a page and then sung into a microphone yeah so I'm I'm so stoked to to get it out to people I'm also like a little terrified because like I do care about them so much like I hope people grab onto these like I think they will but yeah. you know I just I just love these songs and I can't wait for everybody to hear them dude I can't wait to hear them also oh yeah man <laughs> well man thanks so much for uh, taking some time and sitting with me man dude thank you for sitting down with me man this Absolutely. is fun we'll do it again so guys make sure you follow uh, Mr. Rager on social media tell them where they can follow you uh, you can go to Twitter Instagram Facebook YouTube any of those I'm on it or you can just go to jordanrager.com that's r-a-g-e-r.com uh, and you can find links to all the socials. That's probably the easiest way to find me. So, well, Guys, thanks so much for being here. And follow uh, Ray's Rowdy. Yeah. <laughs> like, subscribe, um, rate us on iTunes. Yep. People, people like to do that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, this is Nick T. We'll see you in the front row. I do, all I see is you. You pale yellow, throw pillows, a glowing light. Three lights on the